Hello, listeners. Welcome to Cloud Nine Fit. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. And if that's anywhere directly affected by the conflict in Ukraine, we send you our very best, and we really hope you're managing to stay safe. I'm Will Cager-Smith, Ninefin's US editor, and that conflict in Europe is what we're discussing on this week's podcast, specifically in terms of its impact on the leveraged credit markets. Now, we appreciate these kinds of discussions might come across as somewhat detached given the absolutely horrifying news coming out of Ukraine, but this war has already had some pretty far-reaching financial consequences, so we're going to do our best to evaluate them. Normally, we bring in an outside guest for the US edition of this podcast, but we're actually keeping it in-house this week. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Ninefin's CEO, Stephen Hunter, who is visiting our New York office this week. So welcome, Stephen, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Will. Delighted to be here. It's great to be back in the US again. It's great to have you. So let's start with the primary market, and maybe we can compare Europe with the US across Bonds and loans issuance has completely shut down in Europe. And in fact, it had already been pretty quiet for a long time by the time the Russian invasion began last Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's been quite a sharp contrast between Europe and the US. Uh, European markets have definitely been impacted much more and they've been effectively shut since the invasion with no new high yield, no new loan deals. Um, that's quite a contrast because we've gotten quite used to having multiple deals each week over the past few years. And in Europe, we'd seen on average about a deal every one and a half days. Uh, and now, uh, after the invasion, this is the longest shutdown and new issuance that we've seen since COVID-19. Whereas I think the US has been continuing to function. Yeah, so far the US has been a lot more insulated um, spreads blew out really sharply in loans and in high yield last Thursday, and we saw some really big fund outflows. But the market has actually retraced quite a bit since then. It's still significantly wider than before the invasion, but the loan market, at least, has been pretty robust. I do think it's noticeable that some deals have actually been accelerated, like Calibri's acquisition financing. That syndication was launched last Tuesday. So before the invasion and sources we've spoken to said the book build was barely impacted by the news coming out of Ukraine. So it does feel like the amount of money that's flowed into loan funds so far this year is helping to support the new issue market. That backdrop is definitely a bit more complicated now as those fund inflows were driven by the expectation of multiple rate hikes this year. And that hiking program might slow a bit now, but loan investors still have a lot of cash to put to work. Um, that said, CLO ARB is getting squeezed a little bit, and there are concerns that that might eventually dampen demand for new loans. It's maybe a bit too soon to say anything conclusive on that front, though. Yeah, it's it's been a bit strange. We're in a, a bit of an odd place, um, a little bit like a couple of years ago when bad news was interpreted as good news again uh, due to the interest rate backdrop. So you know, markets were wobbling and equities sold off early on in the year on, on inflation fears before the invasion. And you might have expected the Ukraine crisis to kind of compound those, given the impacts on oil and, and the knock-on consequences that will have on prices. But after the kind of initial shock leg lower, markets actually ended up kind of going higher due to relief that the rate hikes, or at least the number of rate hikes that had been expected for this year, might not be as many, might not be as frequent, given that there's going to be probably a weaker global economic backdrop. Um, in the US, you know, as we said, it feels like deals can and still will get done. 
but maybe for some of the names with a little bit more history, investors might be a little bit more discerning and, and demand a little bit more of a premium. Uh, I know a couple of examples we saw uh, in the US market, for example, Goodnight Midstream, which is an oil and gas service provider, uh, and Laureate Education, which has uh, been a business that's been reshaped quite heavily through divesting assets over the last few years. Both actually had to step back from their deals uh, this week. So it's it's not smooth sailing or completely smooth sailing in the US market. Yeah, that's true. And Bellring Brands actually pulled its bond deal last week after the invasion, although it did manage to come back this week and get it done. And that deal is trading up in secondary now, partly because bond supply has been down so much recently. Um, but looking a bit further forward, we should probably talk about the LBO pipeline because there are quite a few underwritten financings out there now that were announced in the weeks prior to the invasion. And I'm sure there are plenty of bankers and sponsors that are feeling a bit uncomfortable about those. Several bankers we spoke to this week said caps are widening out a lot on new deals that are still being negotiated, but it's a bit too late for people that announced deals before this latest leg down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you just look at where the kind of US indices are, the US High Yield Bank of America index was at about 4.4% at the start of the year in terms of yield, and it's now about 100 basis points wider. So that's going to be pretty painful and stressful for capital markets bankers who underwrote deals you know, pre-invasion and set their caps and their deal terms prior to the, the most recent sell-off. And we're also hearing of uh, banks pushing for higher fees uh, and also things like additional flex um, before they commit to underwritten transactions. And so that's likely to have some knock-on impact on the M&A pipeline and also on private equity's appetite to do deals if, if financing is going to be more expensive. Um, as against that, you do always have the direct lenders hovering around who are increasingly looking like a, an attractive option, especially in these moments of volatility when, when markets pair back. Um, we've also seen that some deals are already also starting to consider the implications of Ukraine within their deal documentation. Uh, so, for example, uh, we saw that Apollo had added specific drafting in terms of regulatory approvals for it, its pending acquisition of, of Tenneco. And I would not be surprised to see uh, other deals considering you know, adjustments to their documents in order to, to mitigate any potential impact of, of what's been happening. Right. Yeah, that's a really inter interesting situation, that one. Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned direct lending there as well, because there was news a couple of days ago about, I think, a $5 billion unit tranche uh, that's being arranged to fund a bid for Zendesk. So there's definitely some pretty chunky deals going going on there. They just seem to get bigger and bigger. But moving back to Europe, I just want to touch on some of the secondary market activity for a bit. Our London team has done some analysis on the impact of the conflict and related sanctions, which have obviously been a huge headline coming out of it. One thing they noted was that several European high yield names are backed by letter one. And Yesterday, we just got news that Mikhail Fridman and Peter Avon have stepped down from that sponsor's board. Yeah, there's a lot of consequences uh, for high yield names from, from the sanctions and also from the Russia and Ukraine situation. Um, whether that's in terms of their day-to-day -day operations, uh, their factories, any exposure they might have um, you know, within Russia or Ukraine. But that's before we even think about you know, second order consequences that could be triggered by 
increasing inflation, higher input costs across manufacturing. And, and like you say, some of those individual companies uh, that are owned by the likes of Letter One or individuals that are associated with, with the Russian regime. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to see some other knock-on impacts, like Germany's pledge to massively ramp up military spending. And that's another angle the Ninefin team in London covered last week. There's some interesting implications for leveraged credits there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been a pretty seismic shift in Germany's security policy and a really big increase in military spending. And that's going to have a pretty significant impact on demand in the defence sector in Europe, so across some of the key European high-yield names, but it'll also have a knock-on effect further across the globe. So in Europe, you can think of names like Rank, Tyson Krupp, Leonardo, who could benefit from you know increased defence demand. Um, but you know, there may also be additional consequences, like some of those companies might have to spend quite a lot more on CapEx or um, on additional um, supplies in order to meet the demand. Um, and that, that could trigger you know, further supply chain uh, impacts and, and pressures given the speed of that increase in spending um, that, was, that was signaled by the German government. Right, exactly. And then another impact that is definitely going to be interesting is potential divestitures. Another sort of knock-on impact of all of this, Roman Abramovich has already put Chelsea up for sale. And in fact, Todd Bowley, who was in the news recently um, because his firm Eldridge put CBAM partners up for sale, is part of the consortium trying to buy it. So I suppose there's every chance that transactions like this could end up touching the leveraged finance market in some way. Absolutely. And there are plenty of precedents for football clubs or sporting clubs to finance themselves either via the high yield market or via the leveraged loan market or even via kind of privately placed loan facilities. Um, Lots of them use kind of media co-financing structures where they segment off uh, revenue streams from from the media bit part of their business. Um, And we've seen deals like that for the likes of Inter Milan, uh, for Roma. And then we've also seen football clubs uh, fund themselves through more traditional high yield packages. You know, historically, I can think of at least Juventus and Man United as well. So I suspect there are already financing packages being prepared by various banks for divestitures, not just in the case of of Chelsea, but uh, no doubt that's going to require a lot of discussion for banks internally. Um, not just because they're being prepared or they will be being prepared at quite some speed given the circumstances, but also because there might be some reputational issues that would arise for these banks if they're seen to help oligarchs or individuals that have been sanctioned you know, liquidate their holdings in, in these circumstances. Right, exactly. And the, the reputational impact, quite apart from the strict kind of legal ramifications of uh, these kinds of transactions are are definitely something we're going to see discussed a a lot more in the coming months, I think. Well, there's plenty more that we could talk about today, but let's wrap it up there. Any final thoughts before we do? I think it's just going to be a a volatile uh, few months. It looks like European new issue markets are probably closed um, for for at least the foreseeable future. Um, US seems to be a little bit more resilient, but um, I'm sure there'll be lots of knock-on consequences from, from what's happened in Russia and Ukraine um, across all of our markets, many that we can't even anticipate yet. But uh, let's hope that um, you know, we end up with a, a peaceful outcome and, and, and we don't see um, you know, a continuation of, of war in Europe. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, thank you very much, Stephen, for joining us. A pleasure. All right. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. I'll be back again in two weeks time with another guest interview, but be sure to check in next week with our colleagues over in London. Until then, stay safe out there. And thanks again for joining us on Cloud9Fit. We'll see you soon.